0: Hey guys, Bear Grills here, just to say, super excited for Charles Thorpe's podcast coming soon. You guys are going to love this. What a great guy he is and so many great stories. So enjoy these and remember, above all, never give up.
1: Now I personally believe that there's nothing better than a great adventure, whether it's to another country or into the backyard. It can have an amazing ability to change not just the way that we see the world but also the way that we see ourselves that is exactly what you're going to hear about from our incredible guests on great adventures i'm going to be hanging out with actors athletes thought leaders and of course explorers some old friends and some new to discuss how being adventurous benefited their lives my name is charles thorpe for over a decade i've been chasing down epic stories professionally for magazines and television shows and now i'm bringing those conversations here
2: you're taking in the view you can see the the sun and the moon and the curvature of the earth i get to see this you know i get to be here i get to be in this moment and that was kind of it and then and then the excitement hits knowing that you get to go down
1: that was iron man competitor james lawrence and it's time for great adventures First and foremost, you have World's Toughest Race on Amazon. How does it feel to have the show out to sort of relive those experiences
2: right now? Man, it was really, really cool. We filmed it back in September. And uh, as you know, with 10, 11 days of filming, 24 hours a day, 67 teams, largest film production in TV history. I mean, that, that just takes them a while to edit. And I was, we were excited. We've been waiting. And it was just really cool because I was, when you're out there in the middle of the jungle and you're, you're dealing with your own stuff, you don't know what the other teams are doing. And we got so spaced out. So it's really cool to see how other teams did what they did, what struggles they were having. And there was so many unbelievable, inspiring stories that unfolded that we had no idea were going on. Is there a specific
1: memory that really uh, sticks with you to this day about that show and the recording process?
2: Oh man, there is so much. Um, I, I would say the biggest thing was the local people back, back, back in the deep, deep jungle of Fiji. The further we got back there, the happier the people were and the more unplugged they were from society. It was crazy to watch and, and to get that feel of what we were doing. And, you know, when when you start the race, we had to hand in our cell phones and all technology and we were completely off the grid. And it was amazing when we, the you know, I got my phone back and I, I barely recognized it. And I'm like, what is this brick I have in my hand? That sounds like a dream um, right now. Oh man, it totally was. And so if anybody's listening to this, my challenge to you is unplug as often as you can. Um, It's a treat. And uh, that was one of the gifts that I got from Fiji was, Happiness has nothing to do with possessions, and you're doing these 50k treks in the middle of the night through the jungle, and you got to take breaks every so often and just like decompress, take some deep breaths, and try to try to catch 15 minutes of sleep. And I remember we were riding our bikes for the middle of the night, and uh, just pulling over and shutting it down for 15 minutes, and uh, as the crew kind of like did a little sleep. I, I just laid there on my back looking up to the stars and it was just lit up with just this landscape, just this unbelievable view. And, uh, and I didn't sleep. I just took it in and it was so present right there. Uh, and just this really cool experience of just how big the universe is and, and how when you're in the big city lights and everything, you you forget um, how beautiful the, the universe is. On those productions and during trips like that,
1: sleep's kind of hard to come by, so it must have been really special for you to to really uh, not sleep.
2: Yeah, it was, man. Sleep's a commodity when you're out there, and uh, it the moments are few and far between, so yeah, to pass that up, it must have been uh, one hell of a view
1: so when you first heard about this production happening and you know the initial information on it obviously this is a challenge that's been going on for a while but as far as the production's concerned it's a whole nother beast the people involved you know bear grills what were your initial thoughts and then you know tell me about the process of getting involved with the show
2: yeah, I mean, uh, it was actually our female, um, teammate, Sonia. She, uh, she sent me a message and she said, Hey, there's this race, Eco Challenge. Just came across the message boards. Their tagline is we eat Iron Man for breakfast. <laughs> and she's like, I want to put together an Iron Man team. I can't think of a better person than the Iron Cowboy. Um, pick your boys and I'll race with whoever you put together. And that's kind of how we started to put together. And literally five days later, Sonia drove out to, to utah we filmed the the video edited it submitted it and then we just kind of sat there n- no clue what was going on and we were way outside of our element we didn't know what we were getting into and then we get an email in february and they're like you're going to fiji and we were like oh shit <laughs> this is this wow. just got really real because we're like we we don't know anything about these things and then they gave us the list of the the activities that we were going to have to perform and the certifications we were going to have to get. And man, it just got real in that moment. And we were like, okay, we've got, uh, you know, six months to uh, really figure out this sport. And, uh, it was, it was absolutely outside of our element. There was a, a, this insane mixture of uh, intense excitement and this just fear based unknown. Uh, what, a, what a challenge that we have in front of us.
1: It sounds like you you did the homework, but was there anything that you showed up to? Now people are starting to see the show. Was there any moment or challenges you showed up to? You're like, I haven't done anything like this before.
2: Uh, I mean, the biggest thing I can think of right now is the billy billy section. Um, for those of you that haven't seen it, man, it's a it's a trip. They throw they throw um, this section at you down a river, and you have to build traditional billy which is a, a raft made out of bamboo. And then they say, okay, it's you know, 50K down the river that you got to go. What you can't grasp in the show is that 50K on a river that's not moving when they give you bamboo sticks as paddles, um, it took us 12 hours uh, to get down there. You just can't prepare for standing ankle deep in water on bamboo for 12 hours. And, and I think that's the part that's so hard to convey on a show like that is the, the length that we had to do some of the activities and the time that mm-hmm. it took. And then we did that Billy Billy section in the middle of the night. And so you, you, you talk about an element we've never seen, never done before, and then do it in the dark and then do it for 12 hours. And that's the eco way, right? You've got a physical challenge that you've never done before and then a ridiculous distance to cover and it, So at, at a certain point in time, you're like, okay, I get it. And it's just all mental. And what they do is they try to break you physically and then they stack on a mental component and then just try to crush your soul.
1: <laughs> so how do you, how do you get through a moment like that? What were you, are, are you thinking anything? Are you, are you going back trying to picture yourself somewhere else? Or are you really just sitting in that moment and trying to persevere over it?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a beautiful lesson for life in general and you put your focusing and attention on the things you can control and you, you have a choice in that moment to like be pissed off that you're eight hours into this and you have no idea how many more hours you have to go. Or you're like, Oh man, listen to the sound of the water. Oh man, this is cool. Oh, Hey, take a look around, you know? So you just, you have a choice and it's your reality to piss and moan about what's happening or, realize that this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity and I may never ever be in Fiji on a billy-billy again and just to, to take it in and take it in stride and uh, it's it's hard to do in the moment when because this was halfway through the race right we're five days in. Four or five days in we're talking minimal sleep, you're exhausted, you're fatigued, and you're doing something that's like at that night dangerous and and uh way outside your comfort zone, but in anything we do, we have a choice on how we we engage with that moment, and uh it, it was fun, looking back on it it was terrible in the moment. <laughs> So what were your
1: thoughts initially when you got the breakdown and your teammate contacted you that it was going to be in Fiji, that that was the location that all this was going to be going down. Had you been there before? What was your experience mm-hmm. in the terrain and, you know, tell me about sort of the apprehension
2: of it and also the the excitement around it. Oh, dude, totally thrilled to go to Fiji and terrified at the same time. I mean, we live at the base of the Rocky Mountains. We have a very different climate here. And we have dry heat. It's very humid over there. Um, Torrential downpours at will. Um, Freezing cold at night, super, super hot during the day. We were in 52-degree water, and then we were in 92-degree air heat. Um, in the day with 80% humidity. Uh, We can't, we can't duplicate those conditions here in in Utah. I'm well-traveled, but I'd never been to, to Fiji. And so new location, super cool. I'm a huge survivor fan. And I mean, you're talking, this is the home of survivor. Chances are we may, it's a Mark Burnett show. Maybe we're going to be on survivor Island and all these kind of different things. We don't know. And so um, just, just all these different emotions go through you when you hear of this incredible place. And you know, you think, oh, Fiji vacation, beautiful islands, and you're not thinking, dude, the back hell part of the the jungle that nobody goes. Um, and you're thinking, of course, they're going to put us through that part of it. Um, and so, but it was just, it was just again a mix of emotions of excitement and and, and being terrified.
1: Uh, I, I can only imagine, man. I want to get into. Ironman being such a sport that really embeds you in the elements in your environment. So I'd love to hear about maybe your most, if you can think about your most moving
2: Ironman experience. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've done over 90 Ironmans, um, in my career, I hold a couple of different world records for, for most half Ironmans, most full Ironmans in a year, and then 50, 50 consecutive days, um, doing an Ironman. And so, I mean, I, I, I just have such a love for the sport and the distance. But there's a race series called X Try. And this is a race series that takes the iron distance and then throws like extreme elements to it. And so, my absolutely all time favorite races have been uh, a couple that I've done in Europe in this race series. One is Keltman, which is in Scotland, one Swiss Swissman in Switzerland, and then Norseman in Norway. And they all have these incredible terrains, mountaintop finishes. Um, freezing cold temperatures Uh, and so it's just like an iron distance uh, race with some some extra added uh, hot sauce to it and uh, it's just it's just a really cool series very small fields and so you don't feel like you're just a number like in a in a traditional WTC Ironman event Um, it's it's truly um, like a grassroots the way triathlon was a decade ago where you were out there wanting to find out your mental physical limits small field grassroots hometown feeling to it and i just love those experiences and and europe is a special place to race Uh, they do it right the energy is just different Uh, the athletes are different Um, and so some of my fondest ones are traveling to europe and uh, and racing in those elements I, th- I, th- I think they were really critical and crucial to getting me ready for the adventure race in, in Eco Challenge, um, just because it's not just a swim bike run, it's mountainous, it's trail running, it's cold water. So all of those elements in the x series really, really pushed the envelope of, of mental capacity.
1: At what point in your career did you do your first one of those races?
2: I had already done the 50 Ironmans in 50 days, um, and so it would have been 2017, And I actually did um, Swissman, Celtman, and and Norseman all in the same year. How did you set up the trip around that Ironman? yeah so my uh my roots are actually from scotland that's where my my grandmother was was born and uh actually uh so Celtman and swiss men were were one week apart saturday to saturday and so we went in a week early to around all of scotland did the race and then we actually trained from scotland over to switzerland and we went through paris and did a, a couple days in, in london and then next set the following saturday did uh swiss man and so it just made it really cool uh i've got a wife and five kids and my wife likes to train travel with us. Um, and we just got to see that's, that's a beautiful part about doing racing and traveling is, I mean, I've, I've raced in, I don't know, 11, 12 different countries, and we just always turn it into a kind of a two week thing and just a little vacay around it. You know, what was about the, the competition that also appealed to you? You know, what was the competition like out
1: there? What was uh, the rest of the crew racing with you? Like,
2: yeah, uh, they're super competitive. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of people like, like with any race, it's only the top 2% of the race that are vying for that top position. Everybody else is out there to have an experience to see what they're capable of. One of my, one of my biggest platforms when I'm speaking is that everybody's heart is different. And, and it's true. You go to these races and these extreme ones in the mountains and everybody has, you know, just, they just want to finish and they just want to have an experience. They want they want to push themselves in, and, and get to that moment where I'm broken and do I have, whatever it is inside of me to keep going and take that next step. And back to world's toughest race. I mean, you find out over, a, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 day period, you're broken, you're exhausted. And are you willing to keep moving? Are you willing to show up for your team? Are you willing to continue to press on and find out what you're made of?
1: Is there any particular vista or scene that you can remember during those European Ironman and just saw something that really stirred you?
2: Yeah. Uh, I I love, I love riding my bikes. My favorite part of, part of the sport. Um, I've actually ridden, ridden my, my mountain bike up Mount Kilimanjaro, um, just, just to, to test the limits to 20,000 feet. Um, and so for me, one of the, one of the coolest bike rides was, um, at Swissman, and you get these, um, major mountainous climbs, these incredible switchbacks up cobblestone. And I remember riding up and the, the paint was still on the road where it was like, go Lance or go Vinokurov, or, uh, you know, all these different cool riders. And then at the top, it's like, this is the summit of blah, 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 tour de France. And I'm like, Oh man, this, this climb has history. And, uh, just, just to go, you know, that moment that you just take that in and you go, I'm climbing the region that these monsters were cycling up and just to, just to be on that same mountain pass. And it's just really cool to take, take moments like that where you're just like, dude, I get to do this. This is cool. You were riding amongst giants in that moment, man. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Just the history in, in some of those mountains and hills is just, yeah, it's just, it's just all inspiring.
1: So I'd like to talk about one of the trips that you did or or one of the races that you did before you had all this history and, you know, the attention was really being paid to your career. Was there one early on that you, made you fall in love with the sport? Was there any
2: sort of terrain that you remember grinding in your earlier days? Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's got to be my first time ever doing the full-distance triathlon um, and also the first triathlon I ever did. It's interesting because um, I, I fell in love with the sport. I, I My wife – my history started out, uh, doing a four mile fun run and, um, just up off the couch and really struggled through it. Lovingly. My wife told me I was pathetic and uh, she signed me up for a marathon, which was a disaster in itself. But then I found, I mean, it was when it was right in the middle of the heyday of Lance Armstrong and, and the tour de France riders. And I saw Kona on TV and I was like, Holy cow, what's this triathlon thing? I grew up a wrestler. And then, uh, I just did my first sprint triathlon and just got destroyed. And uh, I I remember it was in a pool and I've got a picture of me hanging on the edge of the pool with a nose plug, just gasping for air. And um, that was just a moment where I was like hooked. I was just like, man, this is, this is a cool sport. This is challenging. this is new elements to me. And I had to learn how to, I didn't own a bike or nothing. And so I had to learn all those things. And then obviously my first iron distance was, was special. It was a Vine Man in california and again i knew nothing about what i was doing and we were just trying to figure it out and uh had a great swim great bike and then like anybody who's a total newbie um just had a treacherous run and uh, i was like i am going to figure this out i am going to crush this sport one day and uh, i just stayed at it and over the course of a decade obviously things escalated and history wrote itself but um yeah i I would say my very first try got me hooked and uh, taught me some very valuable lessons and then just the respect that the iron distance deserved uh, my very first one just drop kicked me in the face hulk hogan leg dropped me on the mat and uh and i was hooked again i was like "I'm i'm gonna figure this sport out it's like golf right i'm a big golf fan um you hit that one shot and you still shoot you know 105 and you're like dude i hit that one shot I'm coming back. Mm. I'm coming back. And so you you put together a good Ironman or a good a good you know any distance or triathlon, where you literally it feels easy and you crush your watch. you crush your pace. That's what brings you back, and uh, it's fun. And just that feeling when you cross the finish line, right? Especially in such a big race, um, when you when you crush a finish line and 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 just have that feeling, you're like, dude, I, I want that. It's hard to top the Swiss one, but
1: any favorite moments on the bike, if that's your favorite portion of the triathlon, any favorite rides, glides down a mountain, take us to one of those moments that maybe we can replicate.
2: Yeah. Two, two rides that stick out is, is cl- climbing Mount Kilimanjaro on our bikes. Um, that was, that was brutal. Uh, but the reward was we got a bike down and that was uh, unbelievable. It took us four, four days to get up and a day to get down. And that was so fun. Um, I, I had an opportunity a couple years ago to race, uh, Cape Epic, which is an eight day mountain bike stage race. Uh, did it with one of my, one of my athletes, um, and really good friend Mario. Um, and we just had, A blast just going all over Africa. And then another ride that I think very fondly of and have great memories. was, I I led, I led a full distance triathlon coming off the bike in in Naples, Florida and uh, just, just went under five hours and just felt like I was flying. And uh, just one of the, one of the cooler experiences I got to have when you, when you're in the lead, they give you a motorcycle escort and you've got all these cool things going on. And the american flags hanging off the back and and it's just this this cool surreal moment um that maybe most athletes don't get to experience and i've, I've only had that opportunity that one time and uh, it was just really really cool and, and kind of sticks out as a, a biking memory to me
1: Great Adventures is lucky to have partners that share our love for a good story, like Whistlepig Whiskey. Their American rise perfected in the beautiful Vermont countryside. I've been to their farm, I've seen the process, and a lot of care goes into creating each glass. It's also the perfect nightcap after a day in the wild. Check them out on Instagram, at Whistlepig Whiskey. I have to hear just a little bit more about this Kilimanjaro trip,
2: man. I mean, yeah. what what was the impetus of that? Coming off the fifty, everyone was like, what, what, "What's next? What are you going to do? Uh, how do you top that?" And uh, everybody was inviting me out to their version of the toughest race, and they were they were trying to trying to break my spirit and break me mentally. They're like ours is the toughest. We want to we want to break the Iron Cowboy, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they they called you know, a, a guy called me up and he was like, Hey, we're putting together an expedition. We want to raise money for a village. Um, and we want to try to ride our mountain bikes up Kilimanjaro. You win. And I was like, has anybody done that before? And they're like, no, no. and I'm like, okay, I'm hell. I am in. I loved, I loved doing things for the first time. And then I got, I got to Kilimanjaro on my bike and I was like, Oh man, this was a huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> you, you realize in that moment, the only way up to 20,000 feet is straight up. And, uh, the higher you get, the less oxygen there is. Every pedal stroke was, was painful. Uh, sometimes it would take us, you know, three, four, five hours to go four or four, five hundred feet because you're trying to pedal every piece of the mountain. And, uh, man, it was, it was a ride. What was the bike that you brought? What kind of gear did you guys bring with you? So it had a I had a hardtail with 27 and a half inch tires plus size um, on a Fuzari bike, and um, we did the Eagle Eye big gearing as we could. We we didn't care about descending; we just needed gearing to, to go big. And so it's it's the biggest one you can get. Um, that's kind of off the shelf and it was the same same gear setup that we used in fiji um except for we, we took a full suspension fazari to uh, to fiji uh, but still that same that eagle eye cassette on the back is just a monster and uh even even then it, it sometimes it got so steep both in, in fiji and kilimanjaro where you just you're trying to bike and you just fall over <laughs> what time of year did you guys do that trip to kilimanjaro march of 2017 would you like about the way that the weather was at that point it's just the the most predictable weather. There's the least amount of snow up top. It's a volcano, but there's glaciers up there. And so we tried to time it where there would be the least amount of snow. And, uh, and, and we got it right because there wasn't, uh, we rode past some glaciers, but there was still a path that we could navigate when we were there. Super beautiful. I mean, super pretty. I mean, you can just imagine the view at 20,000 feet it's the largest freestanding mountain in, uh, on on the continent. And so it's, it's one of the the top seven climbs that people want to do and, uh, to have the opportunity to be one of the only people to, to, to cycle up it. It was, it was a legit challenge.
1: What kind of uh, nutrition did you guys bring with you? What were you eating during that trip?
2: Yeah, so so we hired a company and uh, at the base camps, um, they would they would feed you just full meals. And uh, we didn't care what it was. We were so dang hungry after <laughs> 10 plus hours of biking a day. We, we didn't care. They just put it in front of us. But it was a lot of chicken and, and meats and pastas and rice and things like that. And then on the bike, you just take mostly liquid and just some bars to keep it light but keep you fueled and, and uh, hydrated. Did you listen to anything? Were were you guys having conversations? I mean, what was the experience like during those 10 hours of riding? Dude, it was it was a lot of uh, solo pursuit because um, there was three of us riders and um, we were separated for most of the day, different abilities. And it was a father and a son who they kind of stuck together. And I was doing my own thing and I, I didn't bring any music. I just wanted to, to be in the elements. And um, I think that's – I think that a lot of people should strive to do is um, – get comfortable and have the conversations with yourself. That's when you learn a lot about who you are. You should have conversations with yourself. You should ask yourself questions. You should challenge who, who you are, what you're doing. Um, that's, that's, that's self-discovery that's self audit. And I think that's important for people to do. And there's so much, again, going back to where we opened with is unplugging and um, doing longer bike rides unplugged in the mountains of some of my, best times. That's some of my most times I'm most creative. I'll disappear on my bike for four or five hours and I come home and my wife's like, Ooh, what ideas did you come home with today?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree with you, man. I'm the same way on my bike or, or when I'm running, do you remember any specific thoughts during that time that you were having anything that you were
2: pondering or ideas you came up with during that ride in Kilimanjaro? You know what? The, the biggest thing that I came away with was absolute gratitude um, and being present in the moment, we. I came across a group. You know, I was I was frustrated. I was at base camp, twelve thousand five hundred feet, and there was a there was a group of veterans that were coming down, and they they were they had just summited the day before. They were coming back down, and I remember looking down, and and one of the girls in the group, she only had one leg, and it just rocked me because I was complaining about how bad my legs hurt, and in that moment, I was like, man, we have no idea when something's going to be taken away from us. It, it just really hit me on that Kilimanjaro ride, like not everybody gets to do this kind of stuff. And we have no idea when something's going to be taken away from us. And so just the lesson of, of gratitude and being present and just being where you are, um, just really has stuck with me. And, and I try, it was really valuable in, in Fiji, just be where you are and be doing the modality that you're doing. And dude, you can't change the fact that you're on a Billy Billy for 12 hours. So just embrace that. And, and I may never be on a Billy Billy again. And so Take in that experience and, and try to enjoy it as much as you can.
1: Now take me into the moment of actually getting to the summit and uh and finishing that ride and what that felt like.
2: Yeah, it, it's one of those kind of rides where you don't think it's ever gonna end. Um <laughs> again, just like Fiji, like you didn't think any modality was ever going to end. Yeah, and just that summit, that view, and it's interesting because I'm standing there looking out over Africa and you're taking in the view. You can see the the sun and the moon and the curvature of the earth. And it was crazy because I, I thought back. I'm standing on the summit, and I think back to that group of veterans, and uh, what's crazy about that is one of those guys was completely blind. He lost it in an explosion. And I'm thinking there going, holy cow. He, couldn't, he, he was so happy, and he couldn't even see what I was seeing. And so, so that that moment on the summit when we had accomplished the goal, and then that realization of, I get to see this, you know, I get to be here. I get to be in this moment. And, uh, and that was kind of it. And then, and then the excitement hits knowing that you get it, you get to go down <laughs> and it's going to be zero effort. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, that's, what's next on the dock. It was, was going down Mount Kilimanjaro.
1: That was my follow-up, man, was just, what was it like to glide down Kilimanjaro? Obviously, there's a little danger there because you don't want to go
2: careening, you know, so tell me about that, Rod. It it, it was terrifying because the top section was uh, volcanic ash, and so it's almost like you were gliding because you you go up and then you come down and you go straight down. And so uh, I've I've got an image where it just looks like we're floating down this volcano, which is super cool. And then you get down through the middle section, which is kind of more foresty. And then down at the bottom, it's rainforest. And so the climate change and the, the, your surroundings majorly change throughout this ride. And so you, you're holding on for dear life going down, but you're not working as hard. And so you can actually take in your surroundings a little bit because you're not head down suffering, right? I'm going to wrap up in two questions.
1: The first one is, if I hand you a plane ticket, where would you go and what would you do?
2: I don't know. Um, I, I love the Japanese culture. They're just so rich in history and discipline and respect. And I think that's something that's massively missing in today's society um, is that, that, that culture, that uh, customs, that, um, that rich history. Um, and, and so I, I, would, I think I'm going to say Japan. I'm going to Japan. Um, I'm taking my wife and, uh, and we're going on a, on a cultural experience. And if I
1: say the perfect sunset, what place comes to your mind?
2: Oh man, I... Uh, dude, Top Achilles was pretty remarkable. Um, some of the, I, I, I wish we would have had cameras uh, or allowed to have cameras in Fiji because every morning, every night, we got to see a cool sunrise and a cool sunset. And um, those are just like snapshots in my brain.
0: begin to shake fault lines exposing all my mistakes if i could do anything then this wouldn't be happening it's been a long time since i feel courageous sleep, never to Contagious